Singapore government bonds are finally a talking point again now that yields are back up. Hi, I'm Sarah Chair from Bond Supermart. Welcome to another episode of our podcast series where we share with you about new bond issues and hold discussions on the fixed income market. The August issue of Singapore Savings Bonds, which we call SSBs for short, um, recently made headlines because of their record high 10-year average return of 3%. In the meantime, um, the Singapore Government Securities, which we call SGS for short, have been rapidly changing hands on the secondary market um, and getting snapped up by retail investors. So both of these instruments, your SGS and your SSBs, are backed by the Singapore government. And you know, with the recent rise in yields, actually internally we've been having a lot of discussions um, and sometimes even debates about, you know, like which one is better, which one is more suitable. And we also kind of realised that, hey, if we were having these discussions, then it meant that other people would probably be having them as well. And so that's why you guys are here today. Um, so we have two guests on our podcast. One is Team SSB and the other Team SGS. Um, they will be representing um, these instruments and sharing about which one they prefer, uh, which one they would probably invest in. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Sarah, for having me on the podcast again. So uh, I'm Deng Chong, Senior Fixed Income Analyst at IFAS, and I'm on Team SSB. Thank you. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for inviting me to the show. Uh, my name is Gerald. I'm the founder and CEO of Beansprout.sg, and we want to be able to help you make better investment decisions by providing you with customized insights. That's great. Uh, so I am on Team SGS, <laughs> and hope to be able to share more about the SGS bond during today's session. Okay, thank you so much guys for being here. It's not going to get too intense, I think. Um, but it will just be a good discussion on, you know, what works better. The thing is, I think it can get very easy to mix up these two instruments. SGS, SSB, in the past I was also like, huh, they, they all sound quite similar. Right, I mean, after all, they're, they're both backed by the Singapore government. The yields are relatively similar. Um, so how, how do people, or regular people, differentiate them? For me, with time, I've come to recognize them um, in this way, that your SSBs are the ones that you would um, can only get through the auction. Um, and when you sell them, you're selling them back to the issuer, right? The, the Singapore government is the one that's redeeming it. Whereas your SGS is the one where you, um, well, the value or the price will fluctuate on the secondary market. And that is also where you can buy and sell them. What about you guys though? Like, how do you guys um, usually discern between the two? Maybe Ting Chong? Um, I think for SSB, um, I think the most obvious feature that sets the SSB apart from maybe a traditional bond or mm. maybe a SGS is the flexibility to uh, redeem it at any point in time throughout the ten, uh, the ten of ten years. So maybe if I uh, buy an SSB and I want to hold it for only three years, I can just uh, redeem it back and sell it back to the Singapore government and still get back uh, my par value along with the accrued interest. So I think that's the most. Um, that's a differentiating uh, factor between um, SSBs and also SGS. Yeah. Jared, what, what about you? Um, so yes, I think the flexibility of the SSB is definitely one of the defining features. Uh, for me, actually, if I'm thinking about it from a yield perspective, I think there are similarities that are also worth highlighting mm. between the SSB and SGS. Uh, because at the end of the day, the SSB's yield is supposed to be tracking the SGS bond yields. So I guess if I think about it and taking away the time difference, then both of them are pretty similar in terms of the way one can think about the yield. 
but just that there are different characteristics to both of these instruments, such as the flexibility mm. that the SSB might be able to provide that might not be there for the SGS. Yeah. Yep. So mm. we're going to discuss more about that later. Sure. Um, I think before we, we set our discussion, let me just lay out a couple of um, features about these, right? Um, your SSBs, they have a tenor, the moment they are born, they are born with a tenor of 10 years. Um, mm. The SGS, they come in you know, a variety of maturities. Mm-hmm. You've got the 2-year, 5, 10, 15, 20, you've got even a 30-year one. Um, and the ben- the barrier to entry is also different. For mm-hmm. your SSBs, you're looking at a minimum of $500. Mm-hmm. Your SGS is double of that. You're looking at about mm-hmm. 1000 And I know it's a lot of information. It's a lot of numbers flying out there, basically. Um, so what our team is doing is that we're also um, putting together an infographic that will better help investors identify, you know, like, hey, this is what for an SGS, this is what for an SSB. Um, and hopefully, you know, that helps. On top of the features that I mentioned earlier, um, and the ones you, you guys brought up, um, yeah, I think we've identified that, you know, both of these instruments, they, they offer different yields, you've got different kinds of flexibility, accessibility, um, and that is what we will be discussing today. So let's start off with the yields first, okay? Just a simple comparison, we look at a 10-year sort of tenor. Um, your SSBs, if we look at the August issue, right, mm. for 10 years, you're looking at 3% average rate of return. And your SGS, if I were to look at today, um, as in 25th July, yep. um, last I checked, I think it was like 2.78%. Mm. So 3% SSB, 2.78% um, SGS. What do we think? Is this attractive? Ting Chong, any thoughts? I think if you're looking at the um, the 10-year tenor of the comparing the SSB and SGS, then yeah, I think the SSBs are much more attractive at three mm-hmm. percent compared to uh, two point seven eight, just based on the numbers, lah. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but math. Yeah, but I think it's also because uh, largely due to the interest rate, you know, fluctuations, and mm-hmm. it, it will affect the bond prices of um, the SGS. And well, compared to the SSB, there's no per se market price for it, so um, there won't be any fluctuations between um, the market price of mm-hmm. the, the SSBs. So I think if you are looking to hold for a longer term, mm-hmm. then um, SSBs do provide some sort of um, uh, stability in the coupon and you do get you do know what you're getting into where the amount of coupon step ups uh, because they'll they list it down yeah. between year one to year 10 so mm. you do know how much coupon step ups you get you 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 gain to get and also your 10 year average return as well so i think it gives the um, investors some sort of um it's uh, well laid out basically yes 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 so you, you you are able to anticipate your cash flows your yeah. future cash flows as well and on top of that the flexibility yeah yeah what about you gerald this is where I have to give a push for the SGS, particularly <laughs> the shorter maturity ones. So I think you have done the comparison for the 10-year, yep. but if I look at the shorter mm. maturity mm. ones, especially the 6-month and the 12-month mm. uh, T-bill, uh, we saw in the auction last week where for the 6-month, you are able to get a yield of 2.93%. For the 12-month, it was close to 3.1%. Uh, so I think those are very impressive numbers. Uh, for investors who are thinking about some of the shorter maturities, uh, they are important alternatives that we can think of in terms of where we can be parking our cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree. Mm-hmm. Um, there mm-hmm. is that difference that investors should be looking at. Yes. Right? Then, John, just like you mentioned, the, the step-ups. Mm-hmm. So basically, every year you've got um, a step-up um, for the for the. Uh, SSBs. There's no yield curve inversion there because it's a step up every um, year along the way. Um, does this actually entice you to 
hold the bonds to maturity? Yeah, so I think yeah, definitely. I think investors do get rewarded for holding the bonds longer. So touching on uh, what Jared said mm. as well. So for the shorter end of the uh, the spectrum, the the tenors, um, SGS are looking much more attractive as compared <laughs> to the SSB. Yeah, but but if you compare it to the ten year period, mm. then yeah, SSBs um are more much more attractive and they provide more stability as well to the price. And um, yeah, so if you um, it's quite a significant step up as well. So if you take the first year, it's about I think it gives about two percent. Yeah. The second year it gives uh, the the coupon rate is about two point eight six percent. So it's mm. quite a significant step yeah. up. Yeah. So I I think investors do actually get uh, rewarded much more for holding mm. uh, to a longer tenure. Yeah. Does that make any difference for you though the step up? Um, I think. That goes back to the point about the flexibility, where for investors mm. who are not yet decided about how long I want to be holding the bond for, mm. I guess that is one big advantage of the SSB versus the SGS. Uh, for the SGS, I guess because you need to pick what tenor and maturity you want to be purchasing the bond, so that is a decision that the investor needs to decide at the start, and then think about how which particular issuance he or she would want to be subscribing towards. Yeah, um, mm. that's a really good point. It yep. Brings me to my next one actually, mm. which is about you know, not everyone is keen to hold it till maturity. Yes. Um. So it's very important that we're talking about the the flexibility of having this early redemption, mm. right? So your SSBs, um, yeah, you can redeem it in any month, mm. um, and mm. um, there is no penalty. Basically, you mm. if you redeem it, you can get back your original capital, um, regardless of the market conditions mm. at that point of time. Mm. Um, but this is, of course, after your fees, after your $2 processing fees uh, for your buy and sell. Um, so I've covered, sorry, I've covered that part for you already. <laughs> so back to you, Gerald. Yes. Um, tell us a bit more about the, this redemption process for, for the SGS. How okay. does that work? Okay, so for SGS, we need to think about how this can be traded in the secondary market. Mm. Uh, because compared to the SSB, you can't redeem the bond and be able to get this capital back from the government prior to the maturity. Yeah. Uh, so then we need to think about the different avenues that you can potentially be conducting the secondary mm. trading on. Mm. Um, this can be done potentially through the bond supermarket platform um, where effectively you can be getting a secondary price for the SGS bond that you might be holding on to. But because you are potentially selling the bond before the maturity, you need to think about the interest rate risk as well. Yeah. In some cases where the interest rates are actually going up, you might be getting back your sum of money that is below your principal. Uh, mm -hmm. On the flip side, if the interest rates actually start to go down, then you might be able to make a slight capital gain out of holding on to the SGS bond over this period of time yeah. but it just adds an additional layer of thought process <laughs> around whether you feel the interest rates might be going up or down yeah that's yeah. true someone someone mm. once told me that you know with your SSBs I don't know if it's right to say this someone once told me that the SSBs feel a bit like a like a bank savings account because you know mm. that your capital is sort of it's there it's guaranteed no matter when you take it mm. out it's just what kind of interest rate to be getting, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the summer was, was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think that's an analogy. Like, I think it's just, yeah, like, because there's quite a limited downside to it because there's no market price mm. to, to uh, um, SSB. So I think, I mean, if you take the, the name Singapore Savings Bonds, mm. it's, it's actually savings, you know. Uh, comp you can compare it maybe to a fixed D. Yeah, mm. but there's also flexibility. Yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier, you know, yeah depending on, on how the bond prices move, you could be 
making a loss or you could be making a profit. Yes. How do you feel about that actually? <laughs> I think it depends on the level of understanding of individual investors towards an interest rate direction mm. because you would actually need to be thinking about oh, beyond the Fed interest rate hikes next month, how interest rates could potentially trend yeah. six months, 12 months or even 10 years later. So that requires additional research, analysis that understandably not everyone might have the time to be going into. So really depending on individual preferences, I think that is where uh, whether the SSB or SGS might actually be suitable for individual investors. So just kind of based off that, if let's say you are more familiar with markets probably, yes, um, and you're looking for something that's longer dated, um, then that could prove to be sort of a bonus. The fact that, I mean, the possibility of potentially selling it on the market for perhaps more. Yes. Um, but if you sort of just want something that's very simple, you make sure mm. you get your capital back whenever, um, regardless of whatever, um, then the SSBs in that sense is a bit simpler yes. um, to get that done. Okay. Um, the thing about secondary market trading, like mm. mentioned earlier, it, it makes it such that your SGS is more it's more accessible, right? Because if yeah, you can you can get it at auction. And if you don't mm. get it then, or you missed it, this is another avenue mm. in which you can get mm. your hands on those bonds. Yes. Um, and talking about accessibility as well, there's a there's a cap for um your SSBs, right? Yes. So I guess because you've seen very strong demand for the SSBs in recent <laughs> issuances, yeah. so I think there has been an allotment limit that we saw in recent months. Uh, so depending on how much you're intending to put off your cash mm. into the mm. SSB, that might be something that needs to be considered. But at least for the SGS bonds over the past few issuances, uh, we see that most retail investors who have subscribed to it are still able to get their full allotment. Yeah, For, yeah. for SSBs, we're looking at 200,000 in terms of your maximum yeah, holdings. Yeah, that's the limit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 200,000. So I think for, for most people, that, that, should, that should work. That should be enough. Um, um, but yeah. you got some <laughs> investors who, who want a bit more in their portfolio, right? Um, yeah, I mean, um, if you have a, a little bit more, you can also look into SGS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I guess it's a bit of a difference in terms yeah. of like your, your maximum holding, depending on what kind of investor you are. Yep. Um, if that 200k limit isn't an issue, then sure, you know, SSBs, mm -hmm. they're cool. If you're looking for something more, then yeah, that's where your SGS will sort of come in and, and shine brighter. Um, I think one more thing that I want to touch on is that your SSBs and your SGS, they're considered very safe products, right? Everyone says, oh, backed by Singapore government, confirmed safe. You know, very good. Um, but we cannot escape the fact that all investments come with some form of risk. Mm -hmm. So how do you guys sort of weigh that between these two? A any takers? I think for SSB, yeah, like like what I mentioned, there's very limited downside considering there's no price fluctuation in them. But mm. um, I think the risk uh, in buying SSB will be the opportunity cost in buying, um, you know, holding uh, a capital, uh, your capital into um, bonds and uh, buying that particular trench. Maybe for the next month, the, the, the next month's trench uh, of SSBs will be much higher yielding and mm. then you maybe lose out in that uh, few basis points in um, in coupon or maybe um, uh, you also lose out in uh, potential gains in other asset classes maybe in equities maybe in other you know asset classes so I think that for me is the main um, risk in investing into SSBs is the maybe the potential um, loss in, in potential gains okay mm. uh, what about you Daryl what do you think for your SGS for me the SGS is the 
uh, interest rate risk that we talked about a bit earlier. Mm. Uh, but just wanted to emphasize that because I think for some investors, in terms of thinking about how interest rate can affect bond prices, uh, that might not be something that every investor might be aware of. So I guess it bears highlighting that if you have a rising interest rate, that is where your bond prices would typically fall. And if you are thinking about wanting to have your capital back prior to the maturity, that is where you can potentially incur some capital loss. Mm. So I think it goes back to the two points that we made about the SGS bonds, which is number one. Uh, if you are thinking about selling it before the maturity, there might be this interest rate risk. And hence, you need to be thinking about what maturity you want to be holding on to the SGS bond for yeah. to minimize the interest rate risk that actually comes through. Yeah. Yep. Any other risk that we haven't covered, you guys can take this chance to take a jab at each other. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll raise one, uh, which is that while the SSB is actually redeemable at any point in time, mm. uh, you may not actually be getting back your cash immediately uh, mm. because it takes time to be processing the redemption. So uh, typically, it will take until the second working day of the next month before you're able to get back your capital. So from my perspective, I wouldn't be putting all my emergency cash into the yeah. SSB yeah. Uh, because it's always good to have some cash for a rainy day and often uh, these few days can actually make a difference. So it's always good to still have some emergency cash that yeah. is parked aside. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anything else you want to take a jab at? <laughs> mm, I would say for SGS, um, yeah, I think the main the main point is the uh, the interest rate risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, for maybe investors who want to play the... Um, uh, play duration, or, or you know, try to try to get that um, uh, capital gain from from the 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 uh, change in, in in capital. But I think um, you, you have to be. Uh, there's also risk involved in yeah. that, and I think uh, yeah. I think most investors do, don't uh, have to really read up and understand the risks involved. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, my final question. Um, would you guys add these SGS or SSV bonds to your portfolio? And if you would, what kind of percentage would we be looking at? Now, I understand that both of you are in slightly different like phases of your life. Um, maybe you yeah. can share a bit more um, about, about what you're considering, um, what is important to you, what mm -hmm. kind of priorities, mm -hmm. and how that ties in you know, with your, your choice mm -hmm. of this investment. You want to start first? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. Um, I think investing is um it is it, different for different investing profiles and different investment horizons. For it, it's not the same for everyone. So, yeah. uh, I think uh, for me, I'm a bit younger. Yeah, so <laughs> I've you know I've like um life goals such as you know weddings and also like house renovations to worry about. So mm. for me, my consideration if uh, is um I do not know when this would um come. So I think the flexibility of uh, putting my my savings and my um, into the SSBs allows me to have a a bit of ease, um, yeah, a bit of peace of mind when yeah. you know I can I know like oh let's say um, uh, I decide to get a house maybe next year I can I can get that money out rather than waiting let's say I uh, have three more years to to yeah. maturity to my uh, for my SGS you know then yeah. uh, I think it, it allows me to better manage um, provide provides the flexibility yeah. 
Well, technically, you could time your proposal to the interest rate cycle. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I could. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, dear, I'm proposing now because yeah. you know, the markets. I'm sure you understand. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Gerald? Yeah, so I'm obviously the older one. Uh, uh, not very obvious, but you know. <laughs> but I think for me, a key consideration is that um, I just founded Beansprout a year ago. Mm. Uh, it is where I put most of my time and resources towards. So for my investment portfolio, I want it to be more focused on capital preservation. And I think that is where the SGS bonds actually come in useful. Yeah. Uh, because when I look at the market environment today, uh, there are still a lot of macroeconomic risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are increasing risks of a recession. Uh, the interest rate direction is still unknown. Uh, so that is where the SGS bond is actually something that looks attractive to me uh, because of the fact that it offers me a decent yield for the next six months, for the next 12 months. And it's just a place that I can park my spare cash into mm. uh, while waiting for greater certainty on the economic outlook. Okay, that's great. This episode was brought to you by Bond Supermart. I'm Sarah Chia and our guest speakers with us today are Gerald Wong, founder and CEO at Beansprout, and Lim Ting Chong, senior fixed income analyst at IFAS Singapore. Follow Bond Supermart on Twitter, Facebook and Telegram to get first-hand updates on new bond issues, credit updates and special events. For bond information and articles, visit our website, bondsupermart.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.